Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. My name is Gabrielle Hakoen and I am here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter. And today we are going to enhance our countenances with an appropriate amount, shape, color, and style of jewelry and correctly shaped collars. Neither one of us is wearing an anklet. Actually, I can't say for sure because we don't record together. I'm not wearing any anklets. Gabby, are you wearing any anklets today? Yes, I'm actually wearing a oh. yellow Livestrong bracelet as an anklet. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, that's. I that's... was going to say on your ankle because that doesn't sound like comfortable. No, that's the thing. It's it's two hundred. It's it's two thousand and four. Livestrong bracelets a thing. It's definitely not and has never been one hundred and fifteen degrees out in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> So it's 2004. Uh, it's 15 degrees cooler than it is. You can probably still smoke in bars. Can we smoke yes. in bars in 2004 world? Yeah, but thank God. Like, we we fucking dodged that bullet, dude. Like, thank God we came of age, like, of drinking age after it was illegal to smoke in bars. Well, I'm glad you don't have a Livestrong bracelet on your ankle because that I'm still hung up on how uncomfortable that sounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I ran out of room on both of my arms for all of the rubber bracelets. I've got them for every single brand awareness campaign ever. Oh, so. see, I was told that those bracelet those bracelets signified that you were into drugs and premarital sex. Oh, let me tell you, man. 
2004, if you've got an armful of rubber bracelets, you are definitely not into having premarital sex. <laughs> well, you know what else, though? In 2004, podcasts were not a thing, and I was still in a cult. So both yeah. of those things would be real barriers to the fact that we have a podcast about how I used to be in a cult. That's true. That's true. Ah, yes, because this podcast is uh, the Leaving Eden podcast uh, is the story of Sadie's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. So we talk about this cult. We talk about other cults and the real and present danger that they pose to society as a whole. We seek to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought and freedom of a religion. So if you like this podcast and you enjoy this podcast, you can do a few things right now. You can head over to our Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash Eden Exodus, where we have a community of several hundred fans who all talk about their experiences. If you want to support our show financially, you can join our Patreon, where we will give you access to extended and uncensored episodes a day early and you can you know if you can't support us financially then you can uh, recommend our podcast to your family and friends so far all of our growth has been 100 percent organic and we really appreciate your support um yes we do yeah but sadie mm -hmm. it is not you that we are talking about today who are we talking about so today and next week we are going to be doing a deep dive into the extremely IFB-adjacent world of the IP, IBLP and the ATI and the cult leader of the IBLP, Bill Gothard. Yeah, and these are episodes that we have been begged for, like people in the Facebook group, people in the email, people in the Instagram, the Twitter DMs, the sending messages to our Facebook page saying, when are you going to talk about Bill Gothard? When are you going to talk about Bill Gothard? Ever since we did the one on the Duggars. And uh, this this one and uh, Vision Forum, which I haven't dug too deep into yet, but of course we will eventually do because we want to give the people what they want. People keep asking us about, I don't even know what that is. Um, it is another like school of thought type ifb adjacent book and magazine and cd and dvd selling thing okay it's like it's just like a different version of the iblp the iblp well let's get let's get into it yeah so what do i what what's iblt and what's ati <laughs> iblt wait what is it iblp iblp okay iblt that's like apple's version of a blt Yes, um, sure. Yeah, the IBLT. Uh, personally, um, so, so I don't like... It's 2004 and everyone's putting the lowercase letter I in front of everything. In front That's, of everything. Yeah, in front of everything. What's, yeah. a, what's ATI? Okay. What's IBLP and what's ATI? So the IBLP, I'll, I'll tell you what the acronyms mean in like a second. The IBLP is an offshoot group of the IFB. And I want to compare it to how the NIFB sprung out of the IFB. If you recall the Steven Anderson episodes, which I was super proud of. Those are some of my favorite episodes. Those were really good. Yeah. So think back to those. And you may remember how the NIFB is a splinter group. So some NIFB people would say that the NIFB is part of the IFB. Some NIFB people would say that it's a totally different entity. But IFB people would say it's a different thing. That's not us. The IBLP is like that. It's another one of the largest splinter groups off of the IFB. And it's kind of a gray area on whether it's still under the umbrella of the IFB or whether it's its own thing. And anyone who was raised IBLP, because I know we have quite a few listeners who were just laughed at my umbrella joke. Um, hmm. Those of you who weren't raised in this, you'll get that later. But for, as far as what it stands for, IBLP stands for Institute in Basic Life Principles. 
And that is the organization, along with its founder, Bill Gothard, that we are going to be talking about today and next week. ATI stands for Advanced Training Institute, and it is the homeschooling program that is made and put forth by the IBLP Institute in Basic Life Principles. I do want to insert a trigger warning here before we really get dug into this. This episode is entirely about the IBLP and ATI. We are going to be talking about Bill Gothard and his controlling and abusive, controlling and abusive behavior. Of course, as always, we will be validating victims, we will be snarking on abusers, we will be defending human rights, uh, and there will be no audio clips of Bill Gothard in this episode. Good. So there's your TW for in general. Yeah, I like when we don't have to do audio clips because that doesn't mean that means that I don't have to listen to these bozos. I like having audio clips because I feel like letting somebody speak for themselves is a pretty good way to describe who they are. But also, I know that they can be triggering to some people. So I try to use them only when I feel like they're needed to explain something. And so the IBLP. They are are they, so they were they're more famous than the IFB, right? Because of of they've got a, a couple of famous members or famous families mm-hmm. that are members. Yeah. yeah, the IBLP is possibly smaller than the IFB. It's really difficult to get good census numbers on this because you know, you don't you know there's no way to to take a census to find out exactly who is who. And there is some overlap between the IBLP and IFB. Uh, I think the IBLP in general is smaller. It's more well-known because almost all of the famous TV fundy families are part of the IBLP. The Duggars, the Bates, and the Kellers are all notably IBLP. There are some reasons why they've been so aggressive about putting themselves on television. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. So this week's episode um, and next week's episode, uh, we're going to go through IBLP, ATI history, and then we're going to get into all of the weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all kind of weird. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. There's like, it's all kind of weird. It's weird from the premise, like from the jump, you know, it's, it's strange. Um, But you could pull any singular fact about the IBLP and it would be strange. Yeah, so these I mean these are the ones that people have been asking us about just cuz it's so weird and it's so just like you look at it you're like what the fuck? Like yeah. what what is with these people? But let's get into this. Let's dig into it. Here's then we'll start with some history. Let's start with some history. What is now the IBLP was started way back in 1961 under the name Campus Teams. This was a part just just one more small part of the larger conservative backlash against the quote-unquote liberalism that began to take hold in the late 1950s. We've talked about all the, all of this before, but the post-World War II peace and prosperity, everybody was, was kind of doing a lot better in the 1950s than they were in the 40s. Christian militantism had a downfall and then a, a later resurgence that we've all, we're all still kind of seeing the resurgence of Christian, milita- Christian militantism. Um, and higher criticism, which is the German theology that the Bible is not literal and not inerrant, that the Bible is more of a an allegory or a storybook that's supposed to help us live good lives rather than the literal words of God and, and must be taken literally. Uh, higher criticism became popular in the United States starting in the very early 1900s, and it was still in the growing phase into the 50s and 60s. Hmm. 
So, uh, of course, there was a conservative backlash about against that. And this is the IBLP's founding as campus teams as part of that conservative backlash. Yeah. So culturally speaking, this is happening around the same time as we have what Billy Graham, Jerry Falwell uh, and Jack Hiles was building up First Baptist Church of Hammond. Yes. This is all kind of happening concurrently. So Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell were kind of running in the evangelical conservative, but less strict Baptist circles. Jack Hiles was an extremely strict, independent, fundamental Baptist. Uh, There was another leader running in different circles, and that's Bill Gothard. So we've talked about camps within the IFB. This was another camp. Gothard started campus teens, campus teams, when he was only in his late 20s. And campus teams would hold large meetings in civil auditoriums around the country preaching Gothard's patented biblical snake oil cures to all life's ills. I don't mean medicine, but his like weirdly specific ideas on how people should live their lives, run their families, and deal with any and all marriage and family problems. So he's not doing like faith healing. He's no. like preaching, but his ideas are weird. Yes. Uh, there is a, a little bit of weird medical stuff involved with the IBLP, but that didn't happen yet. Gothard believed that his ideas and philosophies were the thing that was going to change the world, which probably sounds familiar. Mm. <laughs> Here might be a good place to mention, for the first time of many, that Bill Gothard was not married when he started preaching highly specific marriage advice to thousands and thousands of people. Um, He Mm. still tells many thousands of people how to run their marriages, and he still never got married. So this is like, you know that guy Josh, what's his name? Who who wrote that courtship manual yes. when he was twenty one and single? Yes, Josh Harris, my dream podcast guest. He had one. I bet he had like one breakup, and he's just like, I know how this will. Never, exactly, no one like. <laughs> that's exactly what happened to Josh Harris, except for really, yeah, except for Josh Harris, uh, learned and grew and became a really cool speaker and advocate and somebody worth listening to. Uh, Bill Gothard just wow. doubled down on his patriarchal bullshit. Yeah. The teachings of the IBLP are founded on biblical literalism and patriarchy. The main differences between the IBLP and the IFB are the exact interpretation of scripture, especially in what parts are meant to be literally followed, how do you interpret those parts, and how do you follow the interpretations correctly. So also, I just want to clarify right here, because when you're saying patriarchy, this isn't you being, as Stephen Anderson would say, a quote-unquote blue-haired feminist, like advocating for the destruction of unfair power structures and, you know, in, in like secular society and polite society. Uh, this is like, he's literally talking about like a literal patriarchy. Very literally. This isn't like, a smash the patriarchy. This is like... This is not about like the gender pay gap. This is no. about like women shouldn't be able to vote or work outside the home. Um <laughs> They are proudly and explicitly patriarchal in structure and in practice. They very literally and very strictly believe that men are meant to be the leaders of women and children and that the father is meant to be the head of the home. In other words, it's some fucking handmaid's tale shit. Like on a lot of levels. Like this is one of the things like that handmaid's tale was actually based on. Like literally it was literally, inspired. Yes. Yeah. So um, except of course the difference is that in this store, the women actually have to have their own babies. Before all the handmaid's tales, 
these campus teams seminars. Uh, remember how I talked about traveling evangelists packing out civil auditoriums? Yeah. This is like that. Gothard traveled around the country preaching these seminars. He would teach his theories and his philosophies to thousands of people. These seminars were extremely big. They often drew 10,000 people, sometimes drew as many as 20,000 people. The title of the seminar was Basic Youth Conflicts. So they were all about the problems that young people face and how young people should deal with them. So throughout the 60s and 70s, Gothard did these seminars and he was honing in on his specific beliefs. And then he started developing a kind of curriculum. So his curriculum would be taught, you'd go to these seminars, the first day would be, like the first day could be on a Sunday and it would be like a 10 hour session. And then you'd have two hour sessions every night for the rest of the week. So you'd have to go for like a week and you'd get like 24, 25 hours of seminar um, with his like, and it was the same thing he was teaching. It wasn't like a revival service. It was the same information that he was teaching every single time. And he would sell like books and worksheets and stuff. So this curriculum that he was teaching, it was all based on a framework of interpreting the Old Testament, specifically the Torah, through the lens of the Sermon on the Mount with a heavy a heavy patriarchal bent. See, this is the thing that really confuses me though because as we've talked about before, don't Christians reject like a lot of Jewish law. So based like based on like what they see as like civil law versus ceremonial law versus moral law. That's yes. right, right? That, that's correct. Most Christians, even the strictest in practice, most Christians don't follow like Jewish dietary laws. Most Christians have no problem wearing clothing of mixed fabrics. Uh, most of them trim or completely shave their beards. They don't wear fringes on their clothing, any of that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, because we would see that as civil or ceremonial law. And the only parts that, that we feel obligated to follow are the parts like, like don't murder and things that are clearly moral prescriptions. Gothard is kind of a special case because he still doesn't follow all of Jewish law. But then again, he does follow weird bits and pieces of it. And he has a much different set of what he does and doesn't follow than other strict Christians typically do. Hmm. So like I said before, as a Jewish man, every time I see Christians get really into that stuff, it's like just unbelievably cringe. But like not just like not just it's like creepy. I don't know. So like so which which laws is he following? Did he is he like trying to bring back the ordeal of the bitter water? Not that I know of. So basically it appears that he kept some of the dietary law he kept the laws preferring to clean and unclean animals, but not other than that didn't keep kosher. Um just the ones about you can eat this, you can't eat that. Um animal. He hmm. kept some of the purity laws especially like around menstruation. He kept all that. He, some of it, he rejected most of the clothing laws, but kept the prohibition against tattoos. He paid excessive lip service to the incest laws, but doesn't actually follow them. Mm, and he rejected wait. the purity laws where dead people and animals are concerned. So it's like a real, it's a real like mismatch of, he keeps like way more of Jewish law than most Christians do, but still like not anywhere near all of it. It's very strange. So, 
Are we going to talk about that? Because you just dropped that incest bomb right now. You're like, he pays lip service to the incest law, but doesn't actually follow. So are we going to talk about that now? Or are we just going to like save that for later? Because no, that's we're kind gonna, of a- we're going to get to that. Okay, because there's one more extreme anomaly here that I feel like I need to address because so you're telling me that there is no tater tot and cream of mushroom soup uh, and sausage casserole in Gothard's branch of the IFB. No, there is. Tater tot casserole is actually a a Duggar favorite, but they make it with beef sausage instead of pork because they're fine. Casing. Huh? How do you have sausage that doesn't have a casing? Well, you take the sausage out of the casing to make tater tater tot casserole anyway. You take it oh, out okay. and you cook it like ground beef. Um, no, so so ATI people have no issue mixing meat and dairy, but they avoid. They just don't eat the unclean animals, so they don't eat shellfish and pork and rabbits and stuff. I don't know. I, I don't understand why you would have these laws in the first place if you weren't even going to follow them. But we'll uh, we'll, we'll yeah. get into like some of that. Yeah, I was able to find like some of his justifications for this. It's all very strange. I told you at the start, this is strange. Yeah, we are going to get into the incest stuff later because you you can't just like bring that up and then just like <laughs> plop. Yeah. No, I'm never like, going to mention that again. No, no, we, we'll get to it. We'll get to we it. will get to incest later. <laughs> that's a way Which... to phrase that. <laughs> yeah. No. Out of all the ways that you could phrase that, that's certainly one of them. Uh, yeah. Mm. Well, back in the 60s and 70s. All of this highly specific system of beliefs was still coming together for Gothard. I'll wait. Yeah, go for it. So by 1984, Bill Gothard had gained a large following and he was targeting himself and his beliefs towards families with young children. So he kind of shifted his focus from college students or teenagers to young families. The name of the organization was changed from campus teams to Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts to match the name of the seminar, which was called Basic Youth Conflicts. And Gothard was shepherding all of these families to this very strict patriarchal family structure. And really, he was creating like a complete a complete lifestyle that dictated the very best way to do everything in your life, to gain God's ultimate favor and blessing. He leaned really hard on that old J. Frank Norris brains in a jar bit. He was all about like, if you follow this exactly, God will bless you and make your life perfect. But if you don't follow this, God is going to actually kill you. So are you telling me that uh, Bill Gothard was the original lifestyle influencer? (laughs) (laughs) I want to point out that Gothard was not a pastor. And that's kind of the other main school of thought difference between the IBLP and the IFB. In the IFB, men who are influential are pastors. And you follow what your pastor says. And then if there's another pastor that your pastor respects, you you can follow what he says as well. So like if your pastor says something and your pastor also likes Jack Hiles and he says, we'll follow him too. Yeah, you're getting sneaky. You follow your pastor and Jack Hiles. It's not that way in the IBLP. These families across the country still went to their own churches and had their own pastors, but they received catalogs, newsletters from Gothard. They bought books from him and Gothard got like more and more messages from God with what he called wisdom about the best way to live. 
Wait, so Gothard is like, so he's getting messages from God now. He, well, he's, he's getting messages from God in the fundy approved way. Most fundies don't believe in the literal God spoke English words to my ears and told me to do this thing. Like they don't, most fundies don't believe that. They will say God laid something on their hearts, which really just means they had a feeling but they'll get extremely defensive if you call it a feeling. <laughs> so say one day you have a feeling that you should go on a vacation to Paris. And then a few days later, you're driving down the road and you see a road sign for Paris, Texas. Well, there's your confirmation that it's absolutely God's will that you go on a vacation to Paris. Mm, that's. I so mean, you that's... like you have a feeling and then you see something and you say that correlation equals causation and that thing that you saw was clearly God giving you a sign that that feeling was from him and not from a demon, which can also happen. And then you do that thing because God told you to do it. And he gave you a miraculous sign when you passed the road sign for Paris, Texas, that you pass on your commute to work literally every day. But it's a sign from God. So I could say that God laid it on my heart to invent a protein drink made from hummus and to use the money from that to buy an electric Porsche and if I have the idea and then I see an electric Porsche parked outside the grocery store next time I go buy hummus, then that means that God was telling it me. Yeah, that means yeah. that that's clearly a sign from God. What? And then if you don't start that's your business bullshit. to invent a protein drink made from hummus and use the money from that to buy an electric Porsche, if you don't do that, then you're out of the will of God because God told you to do that thing. Mm. It's an intoxicating and I mean that in every sense of the word. It's intoxicating. It's a combination of confirmation bias and religious hysteria. And it's extremely dangerous. The things that this can do to a person's mind are incredible. I have seen very intelligent people get caught up in this in like destructive what? ways. Do things that aren't in their best interest. People take jobs that are not good for them because they believe it's God's will make family decisions that aren't good like it, like major major decisions based on stuff like this so just as hiles started hammond baptist high school and then later hb hammond baptist grade schools to prevent his children and the other children of first baptist church of hammond from having to go to public school bill gothard bought in hard to the homeschooling trend that was already on the rise in the united states through the 80s People were looking for curriculum for their children because more and more people wanted to homeschool because of, you know, evil, evil sex ed and evolution in schools. <laughs> so mm. Bill Gothard published a curriculum. And every time I have curriculum in my outline for this episode, I want you to know that it's in quotation marks <laughs> because I use that word very, very, very loosely. No, I can see it written in here. It's curriculum. In my outline. Yeah. I, w I took the time to put quotation marks around it every single time because that is how loosely I'm using this word. You should be doing air quotes when she's saying it out loud, except she's got a baby in her arms. Yeah, too. I was literally going to say, if I, if, I'm, if I wasn't uh, double doing doing double duty momming and podcasting right now, I'd be doing air quotes real mm -hmm. hard. Um, the, the curriculum is meant to be used for families to homeschool their children. But it mostly teaches Bible. So how it works, the booklets are based on the Sermon on the Mount. So it goes through the Sermon on the Mount, like verse by verse. And there's 52 or something of them. I have it in my outline later. The booklets incorporate lessons such as how to wear your hair to please God. Why dinosaurs are tools of Satan. 
um, that sperm, which Gothard will not use the word sperm. He constantly used the word seed, and mm. it annoys the crap out of me. But how, <laughs> how seed is an alien substance to a woman and causes something similar to an allergic reaction. And when a woman has just one sexual partner, she gains immunity to this allergic reaction. But if she has multiple partners, quote, from Wisdom Booklet 19, <laughs> Mm. A promiscuous woman's immune system becomes confused. This confusion is a key to the development of cancer. <laughs> Sperm causes an allergic reaction in women, people, AFAB people. And mm. if I mean, you, you can have... fix that with a condom. Just wear a condom. What? Right? What? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, she has an allergic reaction. It causes her immune system to become confused, and that will give her cancer. I mean, anyway, the it, would, book- it would cause it to become like more strong. You would think. Did they, well, did this guy know not, how allergies work. Like, no, he doesn't. That's the thing. That is literally exactly the thing. Um, these books also teach that the reign of terror in France was caused by a rejection of God's law, that Passover is a biblical metaphor for ovulation, uh, and that we should seek God's will in what color toothbrush to buy because the failure to seek God's will in the choice of a necktie caused a man's death. That's from Wisdom Booklet 33. Mm. Yeah. Um, Can we get our hands on some of these? I, like, I honestly want to see... So I have a web archive of all of them, and I will post it in the show notes. <laughs> and then next week we're going to go through an entire one of these books and oh god, and and figure out kind of how it works because each book claims to teach like some math, some linguistics, some science. Again, big old scare quotes on science. Some history as a character trait. So all of the books have like all of these different school subjects. Mm, amalgamated into one book and it's all about a bible verse yeah <laughs> like a lot of like and they'll just tell you that like things around your house are going to have demonic powers so i think that's actually in the advanced seminar not the books not the wisdom booklets yeah but yes but like, he how does do you tell you that, that things um well I don't know. I haven't found the curriculum for the for the advanced seminar yet. But if I find well, it, I'll let you know. Yeah, like if you've got a blender and the top keeps coming off by accident and spraying orange juice and banana and yogurt or peanut butter all over your kitchen, does that mean it's possessed? Personally, I feel like if you have orange juice and peanut butter in the same smoothie, you might be possessed. <laughs> but but I, as far as I know, he says that a lot of things have demons is pretty much his MO with this. I don't know. I, th- I think we should figure out some like surefire methods so that we can test them on da- on Dinah's uh, Chinese demon ring from last Ooh, week or from yeah. two weeks ago. Because, I mean, like we know for sure that that thing has been like that there is an actual f-ing demon that got cast into that object. So you, you know how you have to do with a double blind experiment. Like you have I, to I start with like a control. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So Bill Gothard caused, called this... <laughs> He called this home, quote unquote, school, quote unquote, curriculum, the ATI for Advanced Training Institute. And he started having his followers come to his headquarters in Big Sandy, Texas for the seminars. Uh, So usually instead of traveling around the country doing seminars, he has all of his followers come to Texas. And 
his audience grew up because his audience were originally teens and college students. But as they grew up, he geared this training more and more towards towards marriage and family and then how to get your kids to turn out right. This is like very multi-level marketing to me, like this basic, you know, advanced program, like pretty soon he's going to like introduce a platinum seminar and like a mentorship for, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. He's got the basic seminar, the advanced seminar. He's going to have the the gold tier, the platinum tier, uh, the diamond tier. You know, that's that's the vibes I'm getting right now. Yeah. Well, to join the homeschooling program, the ATI, there was a very extensive application process. Um, I was able to find a PDF of this actually online. Um, parents... To become ATI parents, you have to attend the basic and advanced seminars put on by Gothard. You also have to promise to limit TV time, to not listen to unapproved music, and you have to promise that the mother will not work outside the home. So then after that, they pay their yearly fee, which is $675 per year, mm. um, which apparently has been the fee for quite some time. I don't, I don't know if they've done inflation or not. Um, so after they pay the fee, then they have the privilege of buying all of these materials for their 9011 children. Wait, so was this $675? Was this like in the 1980s or like is it 675 now? Because 675 in 1985 is like $1,700 today. So I wasn't able to find what it was in 1984 when it started. Um, I know that it was six seventy five in twenty fourteen, and it, that it's still six seventy five in twenty twenty one. Yeah, so six seventy five a year is like phone and internet. For yeah, like a year. yeah, yeah. Um, you do have to take into consideration though that these families have a lot of kids, so they're probably on a tight budget to start with. Because one of Gothard's main principles, which we are about to get to, is that couples should not try to prevent pregnancy in any way because that shows a lack of faith. So most families are not having 19 like the Duggars. That's definitely unusual. But having between 8 and 12 is very common. So they probably spend as much as of that like on two weeks on groceries, right? That's like two weeks of groceries. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, unless they're eating like baked beans and Top Ramen. Yeah, like this is definitely not chump change for these families no and i'm not saying that it's like a small amount because like they're but also you know i feel like they're used to shelling out large sums of money just because of the sheer size of their family see i feel like when you live barely above the poverty line you're never really used to spending that kind of money there's there's a very broad class structure or income structure i don't know how to phrase it in the iblp so some of the father's or I guess I should say the patriarchs of these families are really financially well off. Um, A lot of the fathers will own trade work is really common. Owning your own business is really common because if you own your own business, you can, you can be the person in charge of making sure you follow all of Gothard's rules. So uh, the dad owning a construction business or a plumbing business or a screen printing place or mm. just you know like like the general work with your hands trade work is pretty common but for every one of those dads that you have 
who owns his own business and makes plenty of money to support all of his children. Um, you also have a family who keeps having kids because Jesus and Bill Gothard told them to when they can barely feed the ones that they have because the dad just has a regular job and the mom can't work outside the home. Yeah. But I guess like also the more kids that you have, the cheaper it is per kid, you know, like with economies of scale. To an extent, it's, because you don't have to buy new clothes. I mean, it's wild to think about economies of scale with children. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it does probably help that these kids, like, they don't go to school, so they don't have to have school uniforms. They have home births, so they don't, you know, have large medical bills. They don't encourage the kids to go to college, so they're not putting money in a college savings fund. Um, I do think that Gothard was charging these families as much as he could get away with charging for this membership because in my opinion if it were more it would start to be prohibitively expensive for many families and there probably are families who have to sacrifice to come up with that amount of money so what is so then what's his like motivation here is he just like trying to grift people is he like to get them into some bizarre religious fundamentalist lifestyle that essentially keeps them like locked in for a lifetime because you can't like unhave 10 kids true that right i mean so who, who is it like what what is this what is this guy's deal i i think that there is a large aspect of this being a grift because you pay for the seminars and the seminars convince you to have 10 kids and then you're afraid of demons and dinosaurs and sperm allergies <laughs> apparently <laughs> so you have to homeschool the kids so you have to join ATI and then to join ATI, you've got to go to more seminars and then there's the yearly fee and then there's books to buy and sermons on tape, IBLP approved music, family devotionals, seminars for when something goes wrong, seminars for when something goes right, camps to send your kid to when they do something bad. There's just, there's always something to buy and you buy them because now you have all of these kids, you have too many of them to actually parent them. And you need a strict system to help you make sense of all of these kids and make you feel like you're doing the best thing by your kids. And you can definitely name all of your kids if you think really hard about it. You know, I think you there is like there is a, an aspect of you get sucked into this and then you feel like you've got to have this system to get through it. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're swept up in the whole satanic panic thing, then you're going to be susceptible to being scared by all this stuff. And so, like, you know better than anyone when it comes to children, it's better to be safe than sorry. Right. right. Like, as a parent, you're going to you're going to spend a ton of time just worrying about all of the bad things that can happen to your kid, even if you're not, like, convinced that they're going to be possessed by demons. Like, you're you spend a lot of time thinking about, OK, how do I make sure that my my kid's safe? And you're not, like, freaking out about demons. and. Oh, yeah. Like, I yeah. am. I am. I have never been concerned about uh demons possessing my child or whether she will go to hell if she learns about evolution um but even even with that you know i i spend a lot of time making sure the car seat is buckled in correctly and you know buying her uh, clothes that are appropriate to the weather yeah that kind of thing you know but basic even, safety stuff even though i'm not you know super into worrying about her getting possessed yeah but even more than that you're like constantly worried about her you know well that's kind of just parenthood yeah. Yeah, that's just being a parent. So, like, multiply that times 10, right? Right, 10 because... Kids. Oh. Yeah. Good and then, gracious. I mean, these are the people, they, they don't vaccinate their kids because somebody's used a scare tactic on them because they're like, oh, if you vaccinate your kids, then they might end up with some, 
like something bad might happen to them if they get vaccinated, even though like if they don't get vaccinated, something bad is way more likely to happen to them. Right. And like I am very much pro vaccination personally, Um, but I I really feel for parents who are anti-vax because the the rough thing about it is that they are just trying to do the very best thing for their kid. And I think they're wrong, but I really feel for them because they are really just sincerely pursuing the wrong thing in the effort to do the absolute best for their child. And that's rough. And they got all sorts of people just telling them and telling them and telling them, oh, man, it's like. Right. And then they just get pulled deeper and deeper and deeper into that. Right. So back to the IBLP, though, um, by the mid 80s, it was an established movement. They had a dress code. They were making their own music. They had principles. They had standards. They had a very regimented way for living life. I want to talk for a minute about who specifically was being pulled into this. The IBLP stands out from the IFB in that it isn't specifically an IFB thing. So you can be IFB and not be IBLP, like the way I grew up. You can be IBLP and not IFB. A lot of people are both, but you can be either one without being both. The IBLP was so... Not a lot of IFB people, percentage-wise, go headfirst into the IBLP and, like, fully join and become an ATI family and all this kind of thing. But a lot of IFB people have some kind of truck or some kind of connection to the IBLP in some way or another. I've talked before about going to the yearly fine arts competition at Park Meadows Baptist Church, which was pastored by S.M. Davis, who was at the time a pretty big leader in the IBLP. Their whole church was IBLP, but they were also an IFB church. So they were both. And they had connections to a lot of other churches, both in the IBLP world and in the IFB world. So they were kind of a bridge between the two groups because they were both. Um, But the IBLP didn't just pull people in from the independent Baptist movement. It pulled in people from a lot of other strict Christian denominations as well. So you could have people join the IBLP or homeschool their kids through ATI who were Assembly of God or who were Cogic or who were strict, strict Southern Baptist or other flavors and varieties of Baptist. So is this where like Quiverful also comes from? So as I understand it, Bill Gothard and the IBLP didn't originate the idea of Quiverful, but they are responsible for really making it popular and making it a household name. For listeners who may just be catching up, Quiverful refers to the practice of not preventing pregnancy at all and therefore having many kids. It comes from a scripture verse which says, Children are the heritage of the Lord, and blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. Quiverful, of course, is tied in with Christian militancy. Children are often referred to as arrows in the culture war, and there's a good deal of subtle racism in there as well for proponents of this who will say things like, Muslims have lots of kids and they're going to take us over, which I've heard Jack Scott say as well. Um, And there are also people who will just come out and say that this is to make more white babies. But mostly these people hide their racism a lot more subtly than that. People who practice Quiverful say that they are leaving the size of their families up to God and that God controls whether a person will get pregnant at any point in time. 
of course, this ties in with anti-abortion rhetoric. So people will say, you're pregnant, so it's clearly God's will for you to birth and raise this baby. The key factor that I feel like a lot of outsiders miss about this is the science denial. The belief is that if God wants you to have a baby, <clears throat> seed will meet egg and so on. <laughs> Sorry, I read so many word. wisdom books and it is just it has really gotten on my nerves this week. See. <laughs> but if God doesn't want you to have a baby, egg and sperm won't meet. You won't get pregnant. You don't need to use any artificial method of contraception because God just won't let it happen. Of course, science tells us that conception involves a little bit of luck, but is mostly reliant on actual biology, hormones, and physical things that happen that we can point to and we can say this is the thing that happens that makes conception happen. But quiverful theology completely denies that. So they believe that God literally chooses in any give, at any given time on any given day whether a baby will be conceived or not. But also, like on top of that, you're if if you're like a married woman, you're never allowed to you know have a headache. Yeah, that's the other half of yeah. this. Gothard's teaching on marriage involves some really weird sex stuff. The he says that he says that married couples should abstain from sex during a woman's period and for seven days after, which probably sounds familiar to a lot of people. Yeah, so that's based on uh, like a Jewish thing. Yeah. Which like in like a lot of Orthodox groups. Right. It's like that's based on... it's in Torah and then it's interpreted in Talmud, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, something like that. I I don't know the details of, of all of that specifically, but Well, one odd thing. So that law has multiple parts. Uh part of it is that you shouldn't have sex during that time, but the other part of the same Torah law is that the person who menstruates, if she is sitting or lying on something, that thing is unclean, that couple shouldn't sleep in the same bed during that time, that she shouldn't hand things to her husband, but she should set them down so that he can pick them up so that there's no ability of, for skin to touch skin. There are tons of parts to that law. And yeah. Gothard only wants people to follow the sex part. I don't understand if it's that important. I don't understand why you would only follow that one small part. Yeah, of... well, I mean, maybe he just thinks it's icky and he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, but he's never been married, so this literally doesn't apply oh, to him. Huh. Weird. So he says that this huh. is like the purpose of this is that like when you follow Old Testament law you're recognizing that you put God over science and that and that God will bless you for following Old Testament law, even if it doesn't make sense by modern standards. But why would you not follow all if that's the case? Why would yeah, you not follow all of this, all of the law? Yeah. So I want to bounce back to something real quick, because this is this is wild. But this is like very like something that we're very used to. Uh, but what I want to bounce back to real quick is it, so he never ever got married like even eventually nope he's like 80 now and he spent his entire life and career telling people how to be married and telling people how to raise children when he has never done either one of those things yeah not only that but like so he's not married he's never been married so he's out here he's like i'm a chaste virgin and He's also telling people when the f which is like well, very strange, right? 
well, he claims to be a virgin, but I wouldn't call him chaste. Oh. Mm. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Oy vey. Yeah. That's just uh, that's extremely uh, so this man literally but like this man does not know how sex works. I mean, I'm sure he understands the mechanics. Yeah. But like but he claims to have had no personal experience. He claims so he's but he's telling married couples how to do it. Yes, because uh he has the key to living a blessed life. And part of that is having sex exactly how and when he recommends. So here's That's, so um I, I feel like you're right on the edge of a mental breakdown due to, due to this. So I'm gonna try to like. That is a that is a strange kink, but okay. I mean, I'm not. Oh, you haven't heard you haven't heard the part yet. <clears throat> My kink is not having sex and telling other people how they have to have sex <laughs> and then making them have like a million children. That's a. Okay, okay. And then just starting a cult entirely based on that. Wow. Mm. Yeah, okay. You haven't heard the weird part, though. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I thought this was weird enough already. No. Um, Gothard. This may be one of the weirdest facts you'll ever hear on this show. Gothard has all women in the family track their cycles on a family calendar in the kitchen. Okay, that is extremely weird. It, it's strange uh, and it's icky. Mm. Uh, not that there's anything shameful about being a person who has periods, but I feel like needing, like needing to track on a on a calendar where your whole family can see it is just not my cup of tea. No. Um. Apparently, this is meant to prepare the boys in the family for doing the same tracking method with their wives later in life. Like they have, is it like you know they have it synced up to their like their health app to the family iCal. Or no. is it like, oh, so it's like an actual, like a, a calendar hanging on the fridge. Literally a calendar hanging on the fridge. Yeah, yeah, because that's what I want to see in the morning when I get up to get my breakfast is who's ovulating that day. Like, that's like, like literally exactly <laughs> like what? the Duggars was on a big easel because there were too many, like there were too many uh, women of that age in the family to have it on the fridge because it would have to be too big. Mm, that's but, crazy. Yeah. What? Um. Under Gothard's teachings, so he has all people who menstruate track their cycles on the family calendar. Then, then people are also not allowed to deny their husband sex at any time for any reason during the the second half of their cycle because he's recommending abstinence for the first half. Uh, there's a thing in in Old Testament law about forty days after the birth of a boy and eighty days after the birth of a girl uh, to have a rest period and that couple shouldn't be intimate. But other than those rest periods, these people are not allowed to turn down their husband for sex. And they're never yeah. allowed to play Vatican roulette either. I had to I had to double check what that meant. No, they're not allowed to use a natural family planning or fertility awareness method. Also not allowed to pull out because that is also a method of trying to control whether pregnancy occurs or not. Yeah, so they're never allowed to miss the basket like, you know. Pull no. up for pull up for the three pointer and shoot an air ball. No, because that means that you're not trusting God. And if you're not trusting God, Bill Gothard says you will probably get in a car accident and die. Mm. And I just really want to know, like, what is it about car accidents that make them the the the, the big threat? I don't know for fundies. What is it? Yeah, I was gonna say that uh, for that euphemism. I was gonna say uh, with the basketball shot hit the rim, but that has different connotations. Anyway. 
So Dinah's going to tweet about that. <laughs> okay, so now that this conversation has devolved in several very weird directions, uh, let's go take up the offering. Dude, this conversation was going to be weird no matter what. This is a weird thing to have a conversation about. Like, Yeah. A... Okay, let me ask you this. Uh, since we're coming up on our one-year podcasting anniversary, did you see this coming? <laughs> did you foresee this conversation when you agreed to do a podcast with me about my life in a cult? No. <laughs> I, sometimes i feel like, like maybe you didn't know what you were getting into with this look i had good expectations i had high expectations and these expectations have been met okay so. that's good that's good so anyway um let's go take up the offering before this gets any stranger and when we come back oh it's gonna get stranger <laughs> i said before it gets any stranger <laughs> when we come back we're gonna talk about some of what it was like to grow up under these rules based on the testimonies of survivors and people have gotten tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime start listening by downloading the amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free that's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowl and branch Ranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, that group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. So we are back. We are here. We are talking about how f***ing weird the IBLP is about sex stuff. And I was just thinking about it. So having they, they have women track their cycles on the family calendar to prepare the men in their families to do this when they have families of their own and this got me to think like if you're growing up in this you know why this is being done but imagine being like a 14 year old child right and you look up in the calendar and you see like what day it is and then you're like okay well that means that I know for a fact that my parents are f- tonight. Like that is the implication of using this sort of system. Yeah. Um, they also encourage couples to engage in PDA because it shows kids how fun it's going to be when they do get married. Uh, and then. Mm, so I would no. like to 
On this topic, I would like to introduce into evidence the infamous video of Michelle and Jim Bob Duggar playing mini golf. Oh God, I've seen it. It's so not gross. a euphemism. It's actually it's actually mini golf. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the play mini golf. The ball goes into the hole. It's yeah. Um, it's uh... there's yeah. <laughs> it makes my skin crawl just thinking about it. Like if you want to vomit in your mouth, please click the link in the show notes and watch Jim Bob question some. Who is that rando boy? I some oh, rando boy. I, that's... I think it was Ben. Which one? Which Duggar girl married Ben? I don't know. They all look the same. It's not Jill. Is it Jessa? Did Jessa marry Ben? Jessa, Ginger. Ginger's married to Jeremy. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Jana's not married. Ginger's married to Jeremy. Jill is married to... Stop. (laughs) Jill is married to Derek. Jessa is married. I think Jessa is married to Ben. Because I think she's the only other one of those four of the four older girls. Yeah, I think it must be Jessa. Anyway, it was whoever it was, which whichever Duggar daughter married Ben. Anyway, I had to see this video. So immediately after I watched it, the first thing that I did was sent it to Gavi with no comment and just be like, "Hey, watch this." <laughs> yeah, no, you <laughs> no <feel>, warning. <laughs> no, Jim Bob. He's like questioning. There's some random boy who's uh, qu- who's courting one of his daughters, and he's like, "So, son, how do you feel about kissing?" And then he's like, "I think." you should only do that when you get married. And then Jim Bob's like, righty-o, how do you feel about hand-holding? And he's like, I don't know. We might experiment with hand-holding. And I'm like, what the f-? Like... <laughs> and then Jim, well, never, I'm not going to tell you. Just watch it. Just It's just, it's a horrible video. It's not. Just watch, just watch it. It's great. You might experiment with hand-holding. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make like like porno music but I can't cuz I'm laughing too hard. Bound out. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man, that the, the, they're going to be listening to Beatles I want to hold your hand but that's going to be a little bit too spicy for them. Oh, the Beatles are full of backmasking and satanic stuff, don't you know? Well, they're full of backmasking. I don't know about satanic stuff. Well, they also I mean also Paul is dead backmasking. Do they actually believe that? They believe everything that has ever been said about backmasking. Period. Huh, okay. All of it. Mm. Anyway, so you mentioned that whichever Duggar couple that was were courting. Courtship is another thing that's mandated inside the IBLP. Gothard, who again has never married, <laughs> believes that dating is morally dangerous. I mean, I can agree that dating is dangerous because can you imagine going out on a date with Bill Gothard? Ugh, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, no. Um, I've mentioned before that at Hiles Anderson, keeping dating to a low-ish number of people is preferable. And they do tell you that if you hold hands or kiss before you're married, that you've given a piece of your heart away that you will now not get to give to your future spouse. Standard fundy stuff. Well, Gothard takes us to a whole new level of seriousness. He believes that if you even date somebody else, You've given your piece. You've given a piece of your heart away that your future spouse can never get. So IBLP kids, instead of dating, they enter into courtships, which can be set up by the parents or by the boy and the girl's father. Um, it never involves the girl. Mm. It's always either the two sets of parents setting it up or the prospective husband approaching the prospective wife's father 
and setting it up. Maybe that's why Gothard's never been married because he doesn't want to risk <laughs> giving a piece of his heart away. Well, I have theories about that. But what I want to talk about is this. In the next episode, we're going to dig through some wisdom booklets and talk about more of Gothard's extreme specific beliefs. He's going to sell all of the women like they're cattle. Some yeah. Like, I traded <laughs> so, my daughter for a parcel for like eight sheep and a, a goat. <laughs> so, so far, we've just done an overview of a couple of the areas which are so tightly controlled if you are in the ATI. What I want to point out at this point in the episode is the level of structure and the level of control because I think this is extremely dangerous for children who were raised in this and I think this is one of one of the keys in understanding the differences between IFB and IFBLP. In my upbringing, there were a lot of factors of control. I've talked before about getting extreme decision anxiety. For example, growing up, I never had to decide if I wanted to wear a skirt or shorts or pants because skirts were my only option. I never had to decide, do I want to wear a sleeveless shirt or a shirt with sleeves because I didn't have that choice. So now I own short skirts. I own long skirts. I own shorts and pants and I have all kinds of tops. And I feel paralyzed when I try to get dressed because my brain is not used to having that many clothing options. So I literally don't know how to decide, is it warm enough outside to wear shorts or should I wear pants? Or is this more of a skirt occasion or a pants occasion? I just, I'm paralyzed by that decision because I'm not used to having the option and I've never learned to think through these things and dress myself correctly. So like decision fatigue and decision anxiety are big things for me and for a lot of people who grew up IFB. But for me, this is something that I can work through and something that I can get past. Um, That's not by far the worst effect that the IFB has had on me mentally. Like the negative and harmful messages about marriage, body image, gender, hell, disrespecting authority, non-confrontationalism, being judged by others. Like those negative and harmful messages are a lot worse for me than the loss of structure or the loss of rules or the decision anxiety that I have. Yeah. I mean, we had to deal with a lot of that last month because when we were doing pride content, there were a few men who had like opinions about that. We were Mm -hmm. doing pride content. Yeah. And if I recall, like maybe it was difficult for you to put the words together to say exactly what you wanted to, to say. Yeah. Well, it sent me into like a big, anxiety spiral because I went straight back to that mental place where one, I felt obligated to be extremely subservient and speak and write a a very distinctive way because I was speaking to a man. You know, even if I disagreed with something, I felt like I had to consider every word and be very careful not to disrespect a man. And, And on top of that, like, I felt like, well, Nobody wants to hear what a woman has to say about this. Nobody, like, my opinion does not matter. I will never be as eloquent or as smart as the people who are coming after this. And, like, there's no way that I could, there's no way that my opinion would be worth hearing when it's up against a man's opinion. So I shouldn't even say anything. We had a whole thing planned where we wanted to respond to some of it, right? Yeah. We did. But we had to, like, we had to go and cancel that because... I mean, and I think that wasn't the only factor because we did run out of time. We had issues with other stuff, but that was a major contributing factor. Yeah, I just I couldn't 
bring myself to disagree with a man publicly without panicking. And I, I know this is like a really vulnerable thing for me to talk about, but I just, I got into this headspace of, of not being good enough. Like I was lesser for not being a man. Like my words weren't worth anything and my thoughts weren't worth anything because I don't have a Y chromosome. And I don't believe, I don't believe those things about my worth in my heart. But when I found myself in conflict with a man, all of those negative messages flooded back to me. And I think this is a lesson. And no matter how much we think we've recovered, there's always something deep inside that will eventually bubble up and have to be dealt with. So the best thing to do is just have have good ways to deal with things as they come up, because something is always going to come up. And especially because this is a man who is like saying, I am a man of God. And these statements that I'm making, I'm making these statements from a Christian perspective. I am a Christian. This is a yeah. Christian. Yeah. As a Christian, I think that blah, blah, blah. Like, you know. Mm. So, I mean, I really struggle with these things because especially in the world of Christianity and doctrine, it's very hard to switch my mindset to even think that I'm worthy of speaking out on things or that my words mean anything at all. I I am certainly not accusing any person that I disagree with of sitting and thinking, oh, a stupid little woman, she should stay in the kitchen, her little brain can't handle this kind of thing. Because I don't know what somebody else is thinking, and I have no specific reason to think that, that people who disagree with me uh, on the internet are being misogynist towards me in their own minds like that that's a ridiculous assumption to make but my mind is telling me that people were thinking that because that's the way that i was programmed to think and it's really hard to change that perspective back to the iblp though people who grew up in the iblp have even more of that type of baggage around patriarchy and misogyny as i do they have lost out on education just very much in the same way that I did. But as far as the decision fatigue and the loss of structure, the loss of the worldview, which dictates your entire life, the IBLP is way more structured than the IFB at large. So I've been watching TikToks and reading blogs by people who left the IBLP, left ATI, and I think the loss of structure is so much harder for those people. Because there were so many more areas of tight control for them. Does that, am I making sense? No, that makes absolute perfect sense. So like our, our trauma, between my trauma or somebody who left the, the IBLP and ATI, it's very similar, but there are a few key places that it diverges into some different topics. And this is one of them. Another factor that I did want to bring up, though, is the IBLP's child discipline methods. Uh, we are going to quickly mention to train up a child here, quick TW for that and for physically beating children. We're also going to talk about alert, but we're moving through this pretty quickly. No violent details or anything on this one. Yeah. And so the book to train up a child, that's the book that we talked about. I think in the first part of our Duggar's two part episode where they're. Yeah. Yes. This is the infamous book that lists all the household items that you can potentially beat a child with. Hmm. Uh, and recommends, of course, blanket training for infants. And I will say, when we recorded the Duggars Ups, uh, I was pregnant, but I, I know she wasn't born yet. Now that I have a child of my own, the closer she gets to six months, the more I realize just how developmentally unready she is for any kind of discipline or training. 
and just how terrifying and confusing it would be for her if I hit her for any reason. I cannot imagine how awful that would be for her. Personally, I don't intend on ever hitting for punishment, but I, I really believe if I did it when she's this young, like the book suggests, I think she would just be afraid of me and be too young to even understand why. Yeah. I mean, advocating for that is extremely unsettling. IBLP children are disciplined in a really extreme way from a very young age. Uh, as children, they tend to be at least externally really well behaved. And if you think about it, how else are you going to manage having such a large family? I mean, you literally need to train your child to work, not raise them. Right. Everything yeah. becomes a system and a process because if you don't have time to raise the children that you have, you kind of have two options. You can either train them like tiny soldiers or you can end up like Carissa Collins, who literally lets her 11-year-old daughter homeschool the rest of the kids and she doesn't even know what room some of her kids sleep in at night. And also you end up like a person who wears camo t-shirt dresses to a Jesus Seder. That's a lot of things that I would never do in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> the other part of how they handle such a large family is another topic that we've covered, so we won't spend too much time on it, but that's, that's parentification. They hand off the day-to-day -day housework and child-rearing to the oldest few daughters. So diapers, laundry, vacuuming, dishes, cooking... The Duggars famously used a buddy system where each of the older kids were assigned a few younger kids to take care of. And this frees up the mom for homeschooling, grocery shopping, and of course, making more babies. Mm. Obviously, this trains the the girls, by which I mean AFAB people, uh, to be very good at child rearing, but to have very few other life skills. So when a kid exits the ATI as an adult, if they choose to leave that subsection of fundamentalism they have never really socialized with anyone in the real world they have no functional education believe me these wisdom books are bad yeah. um and a lot of people end up with a really strong case of something resembling religious ocd so they fear that something bad will happen to them if they forget to pray before they eat and this is all stuff that you were talking about when believing the ife but it's just like worse with the IBLP. Yeah, and I think one of the main differences here is that it's more systematic. These are concepts that line up, like you said, really closely with my story. But in the IFB, it's more like oral tradition as why it's why they do things. In the IBLP, there's a very literal manual. So in the IFB, we don't wear pants because we read these three Bible verses and then our two or three famous preachers yelled about it. In the IBLP, they don't wear pants because it violates this wisdom principle that Gothard put out, and it's because of this, this, and this. The principle of this, the principle of that, and the principle of this other thing. Um, it's, it's codified in a way that the IFB doesn't do. So I still think the IFB takes the cake for straight-up psychological warfare, while the IBLP, it's externally, appears a lot more gentle. But the IBLP is way more about training complacent rule-following mindless drones. Like, both groups do both things. But this is one place where they tend to be slightly different. So, uh, <laughs> as people who have been following the Josh Duggar drama may know, sexual abuse is just rampant within the IBLP. It, it's so common that Gothard released a worksheet on what to do if your child has been sexually abused. 
Does it say to report the abuser to the police immediately or get child protective services involved? No. Uh, uh, trigger warning of all the things. Sorry, mm. people. Uh, it explains to parents 12 reasons why God allowed your child to be abused. Uh, mm. And what God wants the child to learn from the abuse. It's, it doesn't say if this situation is hypothetical or not. I really hope it is because the child in this I hope hy- hypothetical situation is four years old. Four years oh, old. Mm. I have an extremely bad feeling about this. So this is really rough here. So listeners, hold on to your hats and skip is needed. <laughs> but mm. uh, I want to go through the 12 reasons and I'm going to run through it really quick and only just explain a couple of them. But I'm going to go quick, quick. Yeah, go for it. Number one, to teach your child to cry out to God. Gothard cites the Jewish law about if a woman is raped and she didn't call out for help. Something about her being guilty, too. Not the best law, in my opinion. Not a great law, and also about an adult. Um, Still not a great law, but he blames the four-year-old child for not crying for help and suggests that the child should ask God for forgiveness for his failure to call for help. Uh. He uses the word failure. This has already made me want to punch him in the face. Yeah. Mm. And that's why I'm not going to explain every one of these because they're all just about that sick. Number two, to motivate him to give his body to God. Number three, to give him a moral vaccination against future temptations. Mm. Number four, to transform aroused desires to spiritual power. Uh. Number five, to motivate him to write God's word on his heart. Uh. Gothard suggests that the child memorize large portions of scripture that they can then quote if this event brings up homosexual desires in the future. Oh, right, because they believe that uh, that homosexuality is caused by childhood sexual abuse yep. or demons. Yep. Uh, mm. uh, number six, to concentrate on God's hatred of homosexuality. He doesn't use that word, but I'm going to use he it. He uses nice a word. different word that is is based on the name of a city. That's not. That's just. I just don't feel like it today. Um, number seven. And we're talking to, about a four-year-old child here, and that's not a word that you want to hear about a four-year-old child. Number seven. None of this is words I want to hear about a child ever at all. No. Ever, but you need like I feel like people need to understand that like this guy's bat insane. Bill Gothard looks like a nicer, kinder version of the IFB, and it's not that. And I feel like people need to know that. Number seven to con- on on in the twelve reasons why God allowed a child to be abused to confirm the importance of avoiding evil companions. He blames the child for hanging out with a bad influence, like the child could have known that. To learn how to discern evil companions. To work out justice and mercy, uh, in which Gothard suggests that proper punishment be given to the offender, but does not mention reporting to authorities at all. Would it like cane them? I'll get to that. Uh, Number 10, to help parents understand the basis of genius. Uh, a study, according to Gothard, a study showed that children classed as geniuses spent most of their time around adults, not other children. So uh, this is the parent's fault for not protecting their child against the evil influences of other children. To see the need for, a, number 11, to see the need for a daily schedule for best use of time, Gothard says, quote, free time is a dangerous and unwise commodity, and then blames the parents for not scheduling an entire day for their four-year-old. And number 12, to remind the father to pray a daily hedge of protection, because this is the dad's fault for not praying enough. This is just about the worst thing that I've ever heard. I couldn't agree more. So it victim blames a toddler 
for nine whole points, and then it turns around and blames his parents for three points. It's infuriating. This is so yeah, infuriating. That's not great. Yeah, I mean, it never blames the abuser either, right? Like, right. Because I mean, in polite society, you or me, like you, you ask or like any f-ing Joe schmo on the street, you ask like, "Hey, what's the worst kind of person that you can think of?" And they're gonna say, "Um, I don't know." probably a murderer or a rapist or a pedophile or a child abuser like those are the four that you bring up if you're like what's the worst kind of person that's what you bring right like the most evil kind of person that there is so this is like a really disturbing example of how so gothard has someone to blame for everything and it's often not the person who's being abusive and he's just like very cold about things like well if you had followed my methods, this wouldn't have happened to your kids. So sorry, that's on you. Mm. Which is just, which is just cruel and makes me wonder if he's some kind of sociopath or something. I don't know. Like, I don't understand how people buy into this. I mean, like, so the whole thing has, you know, like fake sociology, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Like that's the kind of vibe I'm getting here. Like when you talk to somebody on the internet, whose arguments for things are very like ivory tower. You know, mm-hmm. and things that people behave predictably and is always dividing people into blocks and then proposing like self congratulatory and short sighted solutions to complicated problems. Like you could either look at this as like this guy is just trying to figure out a way to justify the abuse or you could just look at this as like this guy is a clueless weirdo who has no idea how people behave or society works, but he thinks he's a genius and he actually believes this stuff. Maybe a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, that's kind of what I see. I think it's also obvious that he's completely talking on his ass with no idea what he's saying. And I base that on one thing, the fact that he recommended a strict daily schedule for a four-year-old, which really does sound like something that someone who isn't a parent shouldn't be giving advice about. (laughs) Yeah, so that's, I mean... What I was thinking is because this is an unmarried man, right? Who goes around telling married people how to live. And so it makes perfect sense that this childless man would go around telling parents of four-year-olds that they need a strict schedule. See, for me, this falls into the same category of like, what are people thinking? As you know, that time that you had two guys help you move something out of a closet for five minutes and then the whole school thought you were doing the Eiffel Tower instead? Yes. That is exactly the concept here. It is people who have no idea what they're talking about, just making up stuff and then thinking that they know it all. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, Kenneth from 30 Row, he's like, I'm a real good sex person. I can do it all the different ways. (laughs) Oh, I love Kenneth. Or the time when, you know, Ralph in The Simpsons, he like walks in on Principal Skinner and Miss Krabappel making out in the closet. And then he's like, and I saw one of the babies and it looked looked at me. me. (laughs) Yes. So uh, now that we've gotten our our, our, uh, dose of Simpsons stuff, which has to go in every episode. Every episode. um, I want to talk about sometimes people don't notice my Simpsons references in here and then I feel sad. That's a huge bummer. But I want to talk about, you know what, I'll be okay. I'll survive. I want to talk about what happens to ATI children when the strict regimen of indoctrination doesn't quite go as planned. So uh, S.M. Davis, who is, I don't know if he still is. He was at one time a pretty big name in the IBLP world. 
he had a whole website of resources for rebellious children. And he was sanctioned by Gothard. I'm not sure which one of them originated these methods for dealing with rebellious, quote-unquote, rebellious children. I know they shared a lot of ideas, so I'm not sure which one of them was the originator and which one was kind of referencing the other. Yeah, and he's a guy who was related to that one guy that you knew that was trying to court one of the Duggar girls. Right. This is the grandpa of Caleb Williams, who I knew peripherally through the conference that we, the fine arts competition that we went to at their church. Caleb Williams was rumored to be dating Jenna Duggar for a while. He was hanging out at the Duggar compound a lot. He probably lived with Josh Duggar for a while before he got arrested for sex sex crimes. Sorry, before Caleb got arrested for sex crimes, because now they've both been arrested for sex crimes. Yeah, birds of a feather, man. Yeah. yeah. So, that aside, children who don't comply with the IBLP way of life are referred to as rebellious or rebels. And if a child is labeled as that, their life is just going to be really difficult. Like, what do they do? They send them off to, like, a North Korean re-education camp? I mean, just about. (laughs) Uh, Davis said that, first, if your child is a rebel, you should buy his video series of 42 DVDs for the low, low price of $399. 42 DVDs. It gets better. You should sit down to watch them with your kids. Like hawking Bowflex out here, you know? Oh, just wait. Just wait. You should pay the 400 bucks and then sit down to watch them with your kid daily. The kids should be under 24-7 parental supervision, and they should not be allowed to speak to any other children their own age, and they should not be allowed to speak to their siblings. Okay, so all – like – Beyond the fact that that sort of extreme isolation and totalitarian parenting is extremely damaging to kids, how like how is that even managing like that's not manageable from a logistical standpoint at all? How, like how well, the mom is expected to not work outside the home, so the kid would be with the mom all day, and then with the mom and dad, or with the dad when the dad comes home from work. Uh, Davis warns that if you don't follow his plan exactly. You will end up with a worse rebel than you started with. And what is he basing this on? Just him saying, I'm an authority on this subject. Like, According to him, he's fixed dozens of rebellious children. So that makes him an expert. It, my, <sighs> my opinion is that his website has now been pulled. So I'm accessing his website through the Wayback Machine because it's not available anymore. Uh, my opinion is that he is no longer considered an expert because of things that his grandson has done. But that's just kind of my theory. I have no proof of that one. So there are hundreds of dollars worth of DVDs for the parents to watch on how to fix their evil child who listens to rock or rock and or roll. There's your other <laughs> Simpsons reference for the day. Uh, then there's hundreds of dollars of DVDs for the kid to watch, too. And then there's hundreds of dollars worth of DVDs for the whole family to watch to make sure that none of the other kids go that direction. And uh, for the third Simpsons reference of the day, <laughs> I was going to say, what this this reminds me, you know, the University of Minnesota Spankological Protocol? Yes, it darn diddly does. <laughs> yes, it darn diddly diddly diddly, diddly does. <laughs> so it's like that, but it's also more grifty because there are all these hundreds of dollars worth of DVDs. And in every info sheet on his website, he keeps reminding people over and over again that if you don't do the whole program your kid is going to end up worse off than they were before 
So this is a direct quote from the info sheet, uh, because I wanted to back this up with, with you know, a real quote so you can see what he's saying. We've had people try to go through the rebel process using the audio CD version of the messages instead of the DVD version, and it probably will not work. Well, then why are you selling it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Returning to the quote, yes, the CDs are cheaper, but it will not help you deal with the problems that you are having. When trying to fix a roof that has a huge hole in it, do you go to the store and ask to purchase the cheapest tarp so you can the cheapest tarp you can to fix the hole? Or do you find someone to help you replace that entire part of the roof so you don't have massive problems again down the road a few days, months, or years from now? Yeah, but of the course, tarp is to- not being sold as roof replacement. Like, <laughs> of you course. don't need a roof by this tarp. Like, <laughs> Of course, you try to be as frugal as possible while getting all the tools and materials that you need to fix that hole. But you realize the importance of fixing this problem so you can do your best to get what you need. You don't wait days and weeks before finding the tools to fix it. You do it as soon as possible. Otherwise, you are going to have more damage caused by that problem the longer you wait. It is the same thing when dealing with rebellion problems. Nothing but the best for little Jeffrey. He can't be cured with just CDs. No, he can only be cured with a nightmare trip to, again, this is another quote from Davis, uh, preferably a third world country. Uh with his parents, where he will have no other contact with any other humans, and be forced to watch and discuss this extensive and expensive DVD series until he, quote, surrenders. Or in other words, uh, he either psychologically breaks or he just decides to play along until he turns 18 and he can get the f*** out of there. Yeah. I guess getting forced to watch these DVDs is better than getting sent to a roll-off home. But Funny like, you bring that up because the ATI has their own homes and camps that are used if the DVDs don't work. Just a quick sidebar before we get into it. Like, so can we, is it possible for us to get our hands on any of these DVDs and like review them? I mean, I'm not paying $400 for them, but I do have some contacts who might have old ones lying around. So I can send out some feelers. Yeah. Good. Okay, hold on. I just went, okay, I just went to this website that is titled solvefamilyproblems.com. Right. This yep. is this is his, his website. Is that the so the DVD set for parents and of rebellious children? It is literally three hundred and ninety nine dollars. And then there is another set of like rebellious uh, like so. This is just the set for the parents of rebellious children. It's three ninety nine dollars. Yeah. And then there is another set of DVDs for the children themselves, which is also $399. So you're spending, that's 800 bucks right there. And then there is um, a help for parents of difficult young children series. That is $429. So that is $1,200 right there that you are spending. Yeah. Before how much is shipping? I don't know because the website's defunct. So I couldn't like, put things in my basket to see how much the shipping would be. The thing is that you can also, for the same amount of money, it says that you can buy like the MP4 video download. So you can like just download the videos themselves. But it's still $400. But it's still $400. Oh my God. Yeah. What a scam, man. Yes. That's what I'm saying. This and is then such on a scam. top of that, there's a marriage series. So if you have any marriage problems, that's another 400 bucks. There's a victory over porn addiction series there and several others. And they all come with the same warning. Well, the C- we sell the CDs, but the CDs probably won't work. You have to get the DVDs and you have to get all of them. 
So why the f*** are you selling the CDs if you know that it's not going to help and it's actually going to hurt people? And Why? Do you think that you could find, like, all of these DVDs in the Duggars collection? My assumption would be, yeah, well, my assumption would be that this would be part of what Josh Duggar went through after the original incident where he molested four of his sisters and a babysitter when he was a young teenager. And that uh, quote-unquote porn addiction DVD for when he assaulted a sex worker. Allegedly. which I believe allegedly, but for legal reasons, we need to say allegedly on allegedly. that one. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would, I would assume that, that all of those would, would have been, it would be likely that he had been through these regimens. It didn't work. I mean, I'd say clearly it doesn't not. work. Yeah. For, well, for several reasons, these teachings clearly failed to fix Josh Duggar, but they also didn't work on Davis own grandson. So I think that the reason that this, quote unquote ministry is no longer running is because of Caleb's very public criminal history. I can't say for sure, but I do know in a patriarchy, the failure of a patriarch, like a dad or a grandpa, the failure to have a perfect family, it is grounds for immediate disqualification. So how come with Josh's uh, repeated misbehavior slash possession of child pornography, people aren't like, oh, Jim Bob has failed as a patriarch. Well, he's not a he's not a pastor. He's not setting himself up to be an authority. Yeah, but he's still like the 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 dad. For, I mean, they're they're all setting themselves up as patriarchs, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's because Jim Bob is really really good at PR. He's just okay. he is really. I have a strong feeling that are that you and male listeners uh, or listeners who were socialized as male may not understand what i'm about to say as well as female listeners and listeners that were afab men are really really good at pr like are you aware of this like oh yeah i'm familiar with this like it's just it's just to me it's very personal like the the bigger the man the better he probably is at pr well because they've had more practice yeah i mean look at jack scott just look at him. It's not like, as far as we know, Jack Scop only groomed and coerced a minor into sex one time. But the history of Jack Scop being a shitty, shitty man goes back like 20-something years before that happened. So almost 30 years ago now. Well, how long did R. Kelly have a career? Forever. Forever. Like, to, in, in my, just in my, like, like, bad bad pastors that i've known personally when i meet a man that is very charismatic when i meet a man that is very good at making himself look good um not that i that i will not trust that person at all but i definitely have my eyes open i think jim bob number one he doesn't set himself up to be a parenting expert so he's not quite held to that standard um and and number two I don't think his standing within his own community is that high because he has children who have left uh, IVLP. Like Jill is Jill, like wears pants and drinks, drinks pina coladas and like is cool now um, trying to be a, a real good person. Um, she's got some growing to do, but she's really trying. And, and number three, um, I think he's very good at making himself look good. If you read the, the statements that they have about Josh, like he's yeah. very clearly doing damage control. Uh, on the topic, though, of 
smugger dugger. Uh, I've heard a an ex ATI woman say that literally every one of her friends was molested by a brother growing up. And that as a child, she asked her pastor about it. And the pastor's response was, if you had a brother, you would have been molested too. So it's, it is really. That's deeply. I don't know if epidemic is like even a strong enough word for this. It's just commonplace. Yeah. It's just like life. Wow. In IBLP. And I think it's a I think it's a combination of sexual repression and the absolute power that men have over women in the group. I know the IFB is highly misogynistic and patriarchal, but the IBLP is a it's a whole different level. IBLP women are taught that their father or if their father is dead ownership, sorry, can pass to their grandfather, pastor or oldest brother depending on the family structure. But that that person is their headship and they are supposed to submit to him in everything from who they court to what they wear and how they do their hair, even if they're allowed to get a job, where they're allowed to get a job and if they're allowed to have a driver's license. Yeah. Well, I mean, like telling your teenage sons nothing about sex, right? Because they don't they don't like have actual sex ed. No, no. But you say you tell your teenage sons nothing about sex except for that it's a sin. And then they're like 13, 14, 15, and they're like horny as balls, right? You know, right. They're, and then also, you're publicly charting the cycle of every woman and girl in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a recipe for boys to act out in terrible ways. And then if it's just covered up and never actually dealt with, it's like the worst of the worst of the worst of everything. I don't have proof. To say that the whole having to track cycles on on a public calendar, I cannot prove that that is in any way to make abuse easier, but it really feels like it is. It really, really feels like it is. No, I, I can't prove it, but that's my opinion, and that's the opinion of a lot of people who have talked about this. In the IFB, I think it's obvious from, from other things that I've said that there is a very distinct power imbalance between men and women. But in the IBLP, the power imbalance is very nearly a total control situation. And, and also, going back to the, the whole strange cycle tracking thing. Yeah. I think this serves additional purposes beyond the obvious, like, have as many kids as possible thing. I think number one, I think one thing that people might miss is that it's a method of humiliation. I've talked before about how cults benefit from their members being brought very low in their self-esteem, how cults benefit from a loss of privacy. These experiences make their members depersonalize themselves and see themselves as a cog in the machine and not as an individual. Uh, Not that menstruation is anything to be especially ashamed of or like it's literally just a thing that some people's bodies do. Uh, and that's it. But they are. But people in this cult are raised to believe that it is shameful, and then they're made to put this thing that they've been told is shameful uh, out in front of the whole family. And I think that's a method of like keeping the women from getting too big of a head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think it's a it's a method of reminding them that they aren't as important. And I also think that this trains. Uh, assigned female at birth people 
from a very young age that their bodies are are public property. Like, their bodies don't belong to them alone. And, of course, the ramification for consent, that that's very obvious. Yeah, I mean, it's no wonder that sex abuse is just rampant in this group. Yeah. And it really does seem like it could have been set up that way on purpose. I feel like I don't quite have enough personal knowledge or quite have enough proof to say, yes, this is on purpose. This is absolutely uh, meant to enable sexual assault and sexual abuse. Yeah. I just don't feel like I have quite enough to say that. Um, I do think that may be the case. I just, I, I like having a little more proof before I say that kind of thing. It's a decent hypothesis. Yeah. I do want to talk about alert, which is one place that an IBLP kid might get sent if the uh, spankological protocol didn't work on them. So is alert the alerts come up before we've talked about? Is that the place where they sent Josh Duggar after he beat up a sex worker allegedly and got caught on <laughs> OK Cupid uh, while working in DC? No, alert is the place that they sent Josh Duggar after his earlier crimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. After yeah. There yeah, are actually sisters. So there actually are two ATI programs for teens. One is called Life Focus International, and it involves teenagers going to an ATI training center to live for several months. Okay, so hold up. One question. Why do they always put international at the end of their programs? I don't know, but it's so odd. And I think all the gay conversion programs that we talked about also have international on the end, like Exodus International. Yeah, it makes me think that we're about to devolve into like a pit bull video. I don't know what the reference is there, but I'm kind of thinking like it's like is that like Prestige Worldwide from Step Brothers? Yeah, well, Pitbull is always saying, you know, Pitbull. He's always saying that he's Mr. Worldwide. Oh, okay. You know, you know how Jason Derulo is always saying Jason Derulo. No, it's like, but okay. Oh. Well, it's it's like that, but Pitbull is always like Mr. Worldwide. I know that those are both people, but that's about all that I know about them. I think they're singers. They are they artists? Musical Pitbull artists? Is a, Pitbull is a rapper. Uh, he is from oh. Miami. Uh, I think he's Cuban. Um, and his his music is all about like being worldwide, I guess. I don't know. Um, Jason okay. Derulo is a singer. Uh, and he always says his name at the beginning of his song. He's like, Jason Derulo. Jason Derulo. Oh, I've heard that. Why? It's a, it's a meme. Okay. Um, Life Focus <laughs> International. I'd compare the, the experience at, at LFI is more like my experience in Bible college. Like it's, it's for kids who are bad, but maybe not that bad. If that makes sense. It's more of a... It's more of like a get you back on the right track thing, not a punish you thing. Um, there's a lot of uniforms, Bible reading, sitting through sermons. There is physical abuse up to and including imprisonment in a solitary confinement. Zell, if you misbehave. Whoa, that went from zero to 100 <laughs> real quick. This is the kinder, gentler of the two programs. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, the girls version of this is called Equip, but I think it's even less frequently used as punishment. Uh, one blog that I read preparing for this said that equip is for good girls. Life focus is for problem boys. So I think life focus is more for like equip is like for girls who are like really following the program and you want them to get a super good fundy husband. Uh, life focus is for boys who are like not on Josh Duggar's level of up, but like they are starting to stray from the path a little bit. 
Which, by the way, this is just another misogynistic thing, because the implication here is that girls are naturally submissive and rarely cause problems, while boys are harder to discipline because they're naturally inclined to send more. Sexist. But that's not my point here. Yeah. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about life focus and living at the ATI training centers. We're going to talk about that in the next episode. Yeah. So how do these compare to the agape one? (laughs) Agape? Alert and agape would be very similar. Um, (laughs) Alert is, sorry, (laughs) Alert is the military-inspired training program that's run by the IBLP. By the way, I learned that Hobby Lobby donated the land to the IBLP to build the Alert facility. Really? Yeah, so that's fun. Didn't Hobby Lobby get in trouble a few years ago because they were smuggling, like... Smuggling artifacts, yeah. They were smuggling artifacts out of, like, war-torn Syria and Iraq. Like, Yeah, and they had to return them, I think. No, like, here's the wild shit about that, is that you know why those artifacts were being sold. They had something, something, something viable, right? No, it's because basically, like, you know, like, ISIS was, this was like when ISIS was a thing. You remember ISIS? Yeah. Yeah, like, a few years ago, the ISIS was this whole thing, and they were, like, in Iraq and Syria, and, like, they'd blow up all these holy sites. But what they would do with all the shit in the holy sites is they would sell it. So, and then... Like literally Hobby Lobby was directly financing ISIS by buying Uh all of these artifacts from the Middle East, from Iraq Uh and Syria, from like war-torn Iraq and Syria. They're just like, these are biblical artifacts. These are holy artifacts from like holy places. And then turns out the money, like a lot of them, like that's how ISIS was making some of their money. Yeah. Oh, I was. I didn't. I didn't know that part of it. Yeah. Um, well, some of the money, some of the the money that they got from selling artifacts, uh, they probably bought some land. Then they gave that land to the IBLP, and then they built the alert facility. So anyway, uh, alert also involves strict rules and punishments, but it's a full military LARP situation. So there's drill instructors yelling at you and obstacle courses and training exercises and sh- Um, I don't know what life focus costs. Uh, I can tell you that in 2017, the cost for the alert boot camp was $3,375, not including a long list of required equipment such as a tent, clothing, shoes, a folding knife, a first aid kit, and se- several other items. I mean, it would be easier to just put your kid in the army. Wouldn't yeah, it? but in the army, they'd learn bad words and not be forced to memorize entire books of the Bible and not be prepared for when the culture war turns into an actual war. Wait, and so also, you're Bill saying... Gothard wouldn't be able to make any money off of it. But, like, the drill sergeant that's yelling at them isn't using, like, obscenities and calling them, like, homophobic slurs and stuff? Oh, definitely the homophobic slurs, but, but mm. like, not like the other F word that we use because that one's bad. Oh, Okay, well, but like, is that that's like literally all this is though? Is that it's just a giant grift? Yeah, I, I think they're that's... just selling pamphlets and course materials and books and DVDs and seminars to brainwash cult members. I don't think it's all a giant grift. I think it's about half a giant grift, like half of it. It's a grift to sell seminars, DVDs, approved music, dress patterns, school curriculum, more seminars, camps, and just literally so much other. Sh- um, but next week we're going to talk about the other half. We're going to talk about how it's also about power, sex, and ego. 
So this week we talked about the scheme, like some of what daily life is in the IBLP for people. We've defined a lot of terms. We've kind of talked about the different parts of the operation. In part two, we're going to dig into a few more of the specific teachings of this cult. We're going to go through and review one of the wisdom booklets and just see kind of how this quote unquote curriculum works. We're going to talk a little bit about what might motivate Bill Gothard to create this world where things look so shiny and perfect on the outside. And this should come as no surprise to anyone who has ever heard more than three episodes of this podcast, but we are going to talk about talk about some of the dark secrets behind this cult and cover Bill Gothard's disgusting but completely predictable sex scandal. Ugh, about as predictable as they come. Yep. Not a little bit surprising. Not even a little bit. Yeah, and so that episode will come out one week from today. What's today? I don't know what day it is. I never know what day it is. It is, you're hearing this on the 12th, if you're listening to it on the day it comes out, unless you subscribe to our Patreon, in which case you're listening to it on the 11th. But yeah, and then it'll come out on the 19th or the 18th if you're a Patreon subscriber. Yeah, and you, uh, anything else we want to say before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think, that, I think that's it. I think we've gotten a good... It, it, I just anything, yeah, yeah, an overview. Just anything that you could, any singular detail about the IBLP, you could pull out and make an entire episode over. It's so weird. It is so weird. There's so much, and I've just tried to pick like some of the more important things that you need to know. Yeah. And and next week we're gonna try to sew it up into a nice little understandable unit for you. Yeah, and so you can, if, if you're not subscribed to the podcast already, go subscribe on Pod, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. subscribe to us. Uh, go and join our Facebook group. That's going to be facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. You can follow our show on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast, on Twitter at Leaving Eden Pod. Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music or on Twitter at Helia Sadie. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-I-H-E-N. Uh, and until next time, I hope that you guys have a good day. Bye-bye. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.